0: Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. You heard the man, you know where you are, and you should know what time it is. This is Tyler Schaff and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And guys, this week, we're going to talk about data-driven decisions. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, I know a lot of folks out there are kind of guessing, kind of, kind of trying to figure things out, been trying to figure things out a long time. But, you know, at the end of the day, You got to do your research. You got to know the market that you're investing in, what the possibilities are, what they aren't. I'm seeing a lot of places, a lot of people, a lot of investors doing things like, well, let's say you're buying properties, rental properties, and you're not doing your research as to what the property will legitimately rent for. In other words, I see realtors do this a lot. They say, oh, well, you know this is under-rented, it'll actually make $2,000 a month. Well, it won't actually, because the data tells a different story. And that's what we're going to talk about this week is where to get this data, how to understand. First of all, I'm going to do a, this in, in a couple of different parts. We're going to start this week with migration patterns uh, and touch a little bit on affordability. In future weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit more detail uh, as to the how to use the data to become a bigger, badder investor, how, how to really invest smart. Now, a lot of people funder, wonder when I went down to Key West, oh my God, you're all the way down to Key West. There's only, It's only a two mile by four mile wide island. You're absolutely right. It is. It's a small island. And with a small island, means there's only so much opportunity that can be had there, right? Uh, the only thing that will change that is some sort of a major economic or shift or political shift or something like that might increase uh, more activity. But you're right. At the end of the day, it's it's a small town. There's only so many deals you can do. Same thing as if you're in, I don't know, Junction City, Kansas, for example. It's a small town. There's only so many apartment buildings, so many duplexes, so many single family houses. There's only so much you can do. Now, as far as our sake, we're a fund, a real estate investment fund, which means uh, Mike and I and some of our close friends put money into a pool, and then we use that money to go get cash flowing assets. You guys have heard me talk about Seaport In. That's one of the assets that we're working on. Uh, One of many. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, you can there's a lot of different ways you can shake the stick, but at the end of the day, you want to kind of stay within the same realm of reality. So for us, what does that mean? That means rental income. We all like, all of our investors like both passive income that rental income that comes in every month. And there's also, it's nice to have some capital gains. And by capital gains, I don't mean capital gains tax. I mean capital gains as in your capital grows, right? And that's where equity multiplier comes in. So for us, there's a range. We want to be somewhere around the neighborhood of around 15, 16% cash on cash return when we do these deals. Now, are we going to stop there? No. If we can get a deal that's much higher, then we'll absolutely go for it. So same goes for, uh, equity multiple, right? If if we have a two times or 2.5 times equity multiple, and we wind up doing a deal that's a three times equity multiple, then all the better, right? But when you're looking at funds, guys, understand that nobody out there is going to tell you to peel it off the ceiling, at least not if they have a brain, they want to be conservative. The difference is you got to ask yourself, you know, these operators, are these the guys that can go out and negotiate on my behalf? Do they have enough leads coming in? Can they really pull this off and make this work? Basically, how a fund works briefly is that we go out and buy several different assets um, and the investors share in the profits. The investors get 70% of the profits. Mike and I split 30%. So it's 15 to Mike, 15 to the investor, or 15 to Tyler, 15 to Mike, and the investors get 70%. That said, how did I stumble upon wanting to invest in Florida? Well, for me, number one, it's local to me. I'm I live in Florida. I live in Key West. I have basically residences in three cities in Key West. Key West, of course, or three, three cities in Florida. Key West, Tarpon Springs, Florida, and Cedar Key, Florida. Cedar Key is, a, is a, also a small community like Key West, not nearly as popular as Key West, but there's also opportunity here. Uh, and when I say here, it's because I'm literally recording this from my cabin. I'm out in the backyard in the screen porch, overlooking the woods. You probably hear the birds chirping and the crickets doing the thing and, um, you, you, that's about all you're going to hear is nature out here in the woods. That's one of the reasons I love it. I'm out here getting ready for summer, rainy season's coming. So I want to make sure I, I, uh, tend to my food plots. I've, I've got, uh, I do a lot of hunting up here, turkey, deer, hog, that type of thing. Um, so I do a lot of maintenance up here And this time of year. I come up here usually for around a week, spend some time out in the field and the tractor out in the woods, uh, getting everything mowed up nice. So when the rain comes, we'll be ready for it and, uh, everything will, will grow. And, do real good. That said, these are, this market up here where I'm at, uh, is also ripe for opportunity. There's lots of opportunity. And I know a lot of people up here. So just like Key West, I can get a lot of stuff done that most people would have a challenge getting done because when I'm up here, I grow my beard out. I have a camouflage baseball hat and some boots and coveralls. And I look like a farmer. You wouldn't recognize me. I am not the guy that you see in Key West and flip-flops and a Hawaiian shirt. i that's just who I become up here. That's who I want to be. You know, it's like, so it's like a lawyer becoming a biker. Anyway, with that said, you, you got to look, cast a wide net. Can we d- only do deals in Key West? Of course not. That'd be silly. We have to expand. But for us, that means expanding out within the confines of the state of Florida. We also want to be in the path of progress. We want to be so in somewhere where migration patterns are telling us that we're going to have a big influx. Now, keeping in mind, if you, you go to a place like Tampa, Right. Tampa. Everybody's flocking to Tampa. That means if you're going to buy property there. Or rental property that you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay a premium because guess what? Everybody else has that idea too. So from there, you know, there's a radius. There's a reason why there's such a thing called radius. People these days don't want to be in the big city as much. COVID taught us that, right? People want to be out away from the big cities. Yes, they say they're migrating to Tampa, but what does that mean? If you're in Tampa, that might mean Carrollwood. That might mean town and country. That might mean Winter Haven. It might mean all kinds of different things. It could mean Lakeland. It could mean St. Petersburg, but that's just a general target dot on the map start looking at areas around it okay uh, think about the big city people need to travel they want to get on an airplane so proximity to the airport and whatnot like for, for example up here in Dixie County, Levy County, Hernando County there's all kinds of opportunity I got friends in Hernando and North Pasco that are telling me they're getting bombarded everything they put on the market sells in a minute Big hedge funds are coming out of California and snapping up everything that, that can be had. What does that mean? Well, that, there's a reason for that. It means that we need to do research to figure out where people are coming from and why they're coming. And let's go ahead and dive into that. I look at data points. And for the first data point, I'm going to talk about U-Haul. If you go on U-Haul's website and you search for it, it'll take a minute. They don't put it out there in the plane to see. You got to dig around a little bit, but you'll start to see migration maps. You can download the, the U-Haul's migration data report for previous years. So first of all, guys, I would look for a couple year cycle. Uh, I generally like to go back a good three, four, five years. Tell me that shows me that there's a solid trend that this isn't a brand new idea. Um, but there's a little bit of, um, forethought, a little bit of social proof, if you will, to, what's happening. So in that data point, in U-Haul's data point, it says the top three states for migration in 2020, migration being inbound migration, which means people moving to these areas in 2020, the number one was Tennessee. In 2020, number one was Tennessee. Number two was Texas. And number three was Florida. Now I can tell you from experience, I was up in Tennessee in 2020, early in 2020. And I can tell you that when you look at the Nashville skyline, there is more cranes and construction going on in the city of Nashville and any place I've ever seen. And keep in mind before COVID in 2020 in late 2019, we were in the, we were retired on the road in the motorhome. So we traveled basically from Florida up to Tennessee and then out to California. So I've been through Phoenix, uh, San Antonio, Houston, all these big cities, New Orleans, and nowhere did I see construction to the tune that uh, Tennessee was up to. So now let's look at 2021. Same data points, 2021. Number one for migration was Texas, number two was Florida, and number three was Tennessee. So Tennessee slid to the back of the, of the top three, Texas took the first position, and Florida took second. Now, keeping in mind that Texas is two, at least two times, if not three times, bigger than Florida doesn't surprise me. What's happening is a lot of folks that we're seeing on these migration maps, a lot of people moving from the West Coast, California, Washington State... Oregon, uh, moving east. They want to get out of that. I don't know whether it's that it's a socialist utopia or what the story is, but they want, the expenses are high. Polit- politics are a train wreck out there. The state of California is broke. There's all kinds of reasons why people are moving. And when they are, they're moving to Texas first. And then everybody, and then of course, to Florida and Tennessee. Guys, understand that data is just that. It's an, it's it's a sampling, a random sampling done by surveys and, and how many, who rents moving trucks, like for example, U-Haul. Their data comes from who's renting uh, moving trucks because they can see somebody rents a U-Haul uh, in California and drives to, to Florida. Well, there's a, there's one statistic for the list. But this is just one data point because not everybody uses U-Haul. Keep that in mind. Some people use a mover. Some people use Hertz uh, truck rental. Some people use like something like pods where they put their stuff in a pod, have it shipped across the country. So let's look at another data point. We want to look at North American van lines. North American van lines stats say... The Carolinas, Tennessee, Florida, Arizona, and Texas are the top destination for movers. The top five states for departures, this is important, because if you're either renting property in one of these areas, that that I'm talking about Tennessee, Florida, Arizona, and Texas, if you're a landlord, or you're somebody that's thinking about selling your house, these migration patterns, as far as where people are departing from, is also valuable, valuable data because it helps you understand where you should be doing your marketing. In other words, if you've got a house in Florida, and you know that Florida is the top three for uh, people moving in, I would do my marketing not so much in Florida, I would do my marketing in Illinois, California, New Jersey, Michigan, and New York. Those are the five states, is that five? Yeah, five states that are the top five states for departures. Again, that's it state of Illinois, state of California, state of New Jersey, Michigan, and New York. All five are blue what they call blue states or Democrat states, and there's a mass migration. People are moving the heck out of the blue states. Um, those are also amongst the top 20 most densely populated states. People are tired of being crowded. They don't want to be around each other. COVID freaked people out. Uh, it's made everybody a little bit more germ-conscious, right? People don't want to be stacked like cordwood anymore. So it's logical to think that people are going to move out of those states. Now, understand this. Over in 2021, according to North American Van Lines, over 20% more Americans moved in 2021 as compared to 2020. That's interesting. 20% is a huge number. Um, new remote work opportunities enabled an estimated 14 to 23 million Americans to relocate in 2021. So that's that's a crazy number of people. Top three factors for moving are cost of living, proximity to family, and work flexibility. So think about that. Your guy or girl or people or a fund that's buying property in Florida, rental property, you are going to have a pretty much unlimited flow of tenants coming in. And it's reasonable to think that somebody from California is used to paying a lot more rent than somebody from, I don't know, Iowa, So chances are you're going to be able to get pretty strong rent. Now, that's unfortunate for the people that currently live in Florida or wherever you happen to own rental property. But at the end of the day, I'm a landlord and that's exciting, right? So you got to be paying attention to this, whether either you're a landlord or you're a tenant, if you're moving here. Keep in mind, not everybody that moves to these states is buying because a lot of people cannot buy for whatever reason. Interest rates are climbing. When interest rates climb, that's going to affect affordability. Guy that qualified for a million-dollar mortgage yesterday uh, when the interest rates went up by a point or something overnight or 0.75, well, that guy no longer qualifies for a million-dollar house. He may now qualify for a $950,000 house, maybe a $900,000 house. But every time the Fed does a rate increase, home affordability suffers because people can no longer qualify for the same mortgage payment they could before. They qualify for the mortgage payment but that mortgage payment comes from a higher interest rate, which means the principal amount needs to be less. So it's either you shift down and buy a a cheaper house or you pick up the difference in cash. But nonetheless, you gotta make some radical changes. Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, that's gonna cause the market to crash. I'm not here to with a crystal ball to decide whether or not the market's gonna crash. Frankly, I think that the migration patterns are telling us a different story because if you're in Kansas or something, or in California, then yeah, you might be seeing a market crash at some time in the near future. But if you're in in Florida or in one of these other states, Texas, Tennessee, I'm going to beg to differ. I don't really think that we're going to see a market crash like a lot of people uh, are talking about. Uh, A lot of folks, you know, they're doing it for clicks and whatnot, doom and gloom. I get it. But the data tells us a whole different story. The data says that the market I guess affordability is gonna, gonna be a, a challenge. As I said, people aren't gonna be able to afford the same size and style house they once could, uh, as of earlier this year. But that doesn't change the fact that there's five buyers behind them that can. Uh, the guy that buys a $3 million house doesn't really matter to him if it's 2.5. He'll figure it up, figure it out and make the difference up in cash. The bottom line is this. The bus is leaving the station with or without you. That's why we're doing things the way we're doing. Now, I could have very well gone and done an apartment syndication, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with apartment syndications. But the reason why Mike and I chose to do a fund was we want to capture multiple assets in multiple markets. We like being landlords. We want a mix of short-term and long-term rentals. That's the type of mix, guys, a good, healthy mix that helps keep us, I won't say the words recession-proof per se, but helps shield us from radical changes in the marketplace. Uh, nobody really can predict the future accurately. The government has no idea what's going on. You heard me talk about that last week. The government's a mess. They don't know what's going on. The legislatures are playing with matches and is sitting in a, in a pile of hay. There's a lot of stuff going on. But the one thing I know for certain is that people always need a place to stay. And the data is telling us that everything is getting more expensive and What I'm paying attention to is that rents are going up and I'm a landlord, which means I want to be on the front end of that. I want to take advantage of that because here's the thing. If I go out right now in that fund, let's say I go out and buy a fourplex. Uh, we take the the capital from the fund. We go put a down payment down. We use our capital, investor capital. We do a small property. Let's say I don't even care if we do a fourplex, triplex, duplex, doesn't matter. We pay a couple hundred thousand dollars for this thing. We go to the bank. The bank's going to give us probably 20 year terms. 5.5% 5.5% interest, um, and we're going to use a little bit of that investor capital as a down payment. Now, the investors get to capitalize on the appreciation because, guys, remember, multifamily real estate valuations come from the income, the net income, the NOI. So as long as the income is continuing to rise, which clearly all indicators tell us that is absolutely going to happen, then we just keep killing it. Uh, we hold on to these assets for a couple of years, let the, let the rents increase. We responsibly raise the rents every year while adding light value to these properties. We become a big landlord. Why do you think BlackRock and all these huge Wall Street hedge funds are coming to Florida and buying everything in sight? Because they want to be in a position to sell these assets a couple years from now for massive windfall uh, profits. That's exactly what we're doing at Cashflow Capital. Uh, if you want to get involved in that, by the way, head over to keywestcashflow.com. Uh, get on a call with us. We'll be happy to break out what we're working on. I got all kinds of different things in the uh, irons in the fire right now. We're negotiating on several different opportunities, more to follow soon, but the more capital, more people that show up to the table, put their capital in the deal, the more deals I can buy and the more money everybody can make. Uh, with that, I was looking at a website called Florida Trends. Okay, You should check this out if you think about investing in Florida. It basically summarizes articles that have to do with housing in Florida, and it quotes the source. And I'm going to read you a couple of these because I think they're important and they're valuable to the conversation we're having right now. First of all, first one says, Tampa Bay's rent increased by a record 24% in 2021, the highest in the nation. And it goes on to say, it was clear by summer that Tampa Bay's rent increases were shattering records, but as 2021 comes to a close, the verdict is that price changes were stratospheric. Rent prices in Tampa Bay increased by a record 24% in 2021, according to an analysis by CoStar Group, a commercial real estate data firm, which included Pinellas, Hillsborough, Pasco, and Hernando counties. Tampa Bay had the highest rent spike in the nation for markets with at least 100,000 apartments, CoStar found. And the source of that, guys, is the Tampa Tampa Bay Times. So there's a great indication. Year-over-year rent increased 24%. So if you bought an asset you should be able to get it somewhere in that neighborhood of a rent increase. Yes, you're going to have to change tenants. And I understand that that can be uncomfortable for some of you. But if you're involved in a fund, if you're working with us, you're not going to be involved in that anyway. That's our job. We're going to have local management that's going to be leasing up these properties and whatnot. We build the way we would, we will do it is we will build annual increases into the leases and give the tenants incentive to go ahead and stay. By giving them additional value, in some cases we may do multi-year leases, depending on the asset. These type of things. We don't want people to move because when people move, we create a some somewhat of a short-term vacancy. We don't want that. But right now in Florida, I'm seeing vacancy rates, and I would tell you a couple of years ago you were crazy. I used to underwrite underwrite everything at 15% vacancy. I'm seeing guys. Coming out of apartment syndications right now that underwrote for 5% vacancy. I thought to myself, these people are smoking crack. No way they're going to only have 5% vacancy. And they're actually less than 5% vacancy, like 98% occupancy. That's crazy. Uh, so I, I apologize. I was wrong. I, that's probably why I kept my opinion to myself for the most part. Uh, because it's, that's just it. The, the, so many people coming into Florida, that the capacity is a problem. There's no place to put them all. I read a, I heard a stat the other day that, uh, I think there was 500,000 apartments short. Ken McElroy put a stat out on one of his videos that said America is short by, I think it's 500,000 or maybe it was 5 million. It was some crazy number of units. Florida's shortfall is, is huge. Uh, it, there's more people wanting to come to Florida than there are places to put them. So if you're a landlord, life is going to be good. Another one. Lofty home prices expected to squeeze middle-class buyers. South Florida migration will drive the 2022 housing market. Escalating costs to buy homes in Miami-Dade could reach a point next year in which people, many people can't afford home ownership, while more wealthy professionals from other parts of the country keep relocating here and buying houses and condos, area economists and real estate experts say. The housing market is also certain. Also has certain homeowners sitting on the sidelines, opting to stay in their homes rather than looking to sell and buy another house at seemingly high end. The seemingly high end of the residential real estate cycle, and the source for that one is Miami Herald. So you might think, oh my God, that means the market's going to crash in South Florida. It does not mean the market's going to crash in South Florida. It means there's going to be less inventory which is going to probably run prices up even higher. And it also means that rents are going to increase because there's no place to buy. If you want to live in South Florida, you may be forced to rent because you simply can't afford to buy there. That's what that stat's telling me. Florida remains top destination in, in great COVID mig- migration. This one is from December 2021 from Real Estate Weekly, and it says Florida remains top destination in great COVID migration. Florida has become a particularly popular destination this year as remote workers, retirees, and retirees flock to the state in search of beaches, warm weather, low taxes, and more affordable housing than big cities on the east or west coast. Net inflow to Miami has nearly tripled since this time last year. And net inflow to Tampa has nearly doubled, with New York as the number one origin for Redfin.com users moving to both areas. Real Estate Weekly. So there's a clue, guys. Go on Redfin.com. I will tell you, Redfin has got great data recording and data uh, tools on their website. They're fantastic for doing this. So a couple of the ones I use, Redfin is a big one. Redfin.com. Uh, I use, I use Zillow. I use. Uh, North American van lines. I use U-Haul and I use CoStar. Now, I don't take any one of these individual data points as gospel. Instead, I, I take the information. I kind of summarize it as a whole. And the one thing I know is that there is, they need housing of units in Florida. That's why we are here. That's what cash flow capital is about. Guys, you ever thought of investing in Key West or anywhere in the state of Florida? Looking for, uh, smaller deals that we can get where we're not competing with the big boys. We can get these things in, get good, solid, fixed rate, long-term financing, get them locked up, get them, uh, stabilized, get them rented out, hold them for several years, and then sell them off when the, when, uh, things are amazing. And that's really what our plan is here at Cashflow Capital. So if you got, uh, questions. You got things you want to talk about in that regard, by all means. If you're an operator and you want to know how to get involved in this, guys, if you are an operator, if you're a guy out there doing deals, if you're a realtor in the state of Florida and you have income opportunity deals that make sense, then get on the phone with me. Um, I'd be more than happy to take a look at your deal. Uh, send me the underwriting on it. Send me what you got. We'll take a look at it. We may be interested in buying it if it's within the state of Florida. Uh, and uh, the only way you can you know for sure is to actually get on the phone and make it happen. You can start that by going to cashflowguys.com forward slash book Tyler, cashflowguys.com forward slash book Tyler. Let's get on a call, discuss what you got, what you want to get rid of. Also, if you are, we just want to be a landlord on your own and you're looking for opportunity in Florida, things that I do have opportunities that we pass on with the fund that don't make sense for what we're doing, but may make sense for you. The only way I can help you to know that you're looking is for you to get on the phone with me. Let's have a conversation and I will put you on the top of my list. When things come up, we can get you placed in some of these cash-flowing assets. And by the way, guys, I've got two multifamily assets coming on the market um, in St. Petersburg. I have a triplex coming up soon and a duplex. If you guys are looking to buy multifamily real estate in the city of St. Petersburg, you might want to get on the phone with me. Head over to cashflowguys.com. Reach out to me via the website. I'd be more than happy to help you into those properties. They are not mine, full disclosure. Uh, they belong to a friend of mine and another real estate agent of mine. I am his listing agent, so I'm going to be the listing broker on the deal. Um, but we'll be selling those here pretty soon. They're just getting them, getting appraisals done and getting all the good photographs and getting them ready to go in the MLS. So do not delay. It is May 18th, Wednesday, May 18th when I record this. These things will probably be live by the end of the week, first of next week. So you'll be hearing this episode Friday morning at 6 a.m. That means Friday morning at 7 a.m you should be typing out an email to me on my uh, contact me page at cashflowguys.com. Guys, have a great week and I will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. Episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas so you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.